We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by co-host Nick Bellato. Tonight we are coming to you live after the Giants' Week 5 loss to the Miami Dolphins in a game where the Giants got outgained massively. They got outgained 524 yards to 268 with net yards of rushing 225 to 85 Giants had just 183 passing yards. A lot of those came, uh, a decent chunk of those came on the final garbage drive with Tyrod Taylor in the game. Giants won time of possession. Great. They also won the turnover battle, three to zero. Turnovers come in bunches. And the Giants obviously did a really good job creating turnovers in this game and using them to score points. Nick, in the preview podcast, I said, and I do want to tweet this out so people can come in and I'm going to let people have time to come in. But in the t- in the preview podcast, Nick, I said the Giants are going to have to score on defense to have a chance in this game. Well, the Giants did score on defense, a pick six of almost, what was a 102-yard pick six by Jason Pinnock on a great play by Bobby O'Karake, who had his best game in coverage as a Giant, maybe his best game in general as a Giant. And they still lost the game despite having a pick six. And another interception later in the game that led to a field goal. Ten of the Giants, what, 13 points did they end up with or 16 points they ended up with in this game came off of turnovers created by the Giants defense. But it's not like we just let the Giants defense off the hook. They gave up 564 yards of total offense in this game. Nick, there's a lot that I want to say, but I want to turn it over to you first. And while you do that, I'm going to look for the link so I can tweet it out so we can get more people in here. I just think it's so funny how the New York Giants are finding new creative ways to lose football games that are all centralized around how their offense is inept because their offense is inept right now. They can't protect Daniel Jones. Jones is missing throws. Now Jones is hurt. We'll have to wait and see what the MRI says tomorrow on that. But this is the second week in the row where the Giants got their asses kicked, but they controlled the clock throughout the entire game. And last week against Seattle, we were like, well, that's going to happen when the offense throws a pick six. Well, this week, Tua threw a pick six. And it didn't matter. It's the only touchdown the Giants have scored this season other than the Matt Breida one that wasn't in the second half of that Cardinals game. And it was the defense that did it. This Giants offense can't score any touchdowns. It's a huge indictment on this entire operation. I don't really know where we go from here. And now there are some positive things that we can talk about. I think everyone here, we're commiserating. We know that the New York Giants suck right now. No one expected them to be this bad. Maybe they could have been one and four. If they lost to Seattle, I know we picked them to beat Seattle, not 
<laughs> not before that game, but at the beginning of the season because the schedule is so tough, but it's just how bad they look. The offensive line is musical chairs. We saw both the practice squad call-ups because some guys got dinged up. We'll discuss that. But at least we saw a little bit of a Darren Waller breakout. We saw Bobby O'Karake's best game. Little things like that, maybe we can just lean on and say, at least we have that. But right now, it's, as I've said for the last three weeks, Dan, bleak being a New York Giants fan. One of the worst teams in the league, and nobody had that on their bingo card heading into the season. Yeah, the Giants have now gone 125 minutes of game clock without scoring an offensive touchdown. 125 minutes of game clock. And the touchdown they did score back 125 minutes ago came on a short field when the 49ers punted from within their own end's uh, 510 yard line and they barreled their way in with a couple runs by Jones and some Breed action. There were some positives on both sides of the ball still, Nick, believe it or not. I thought early in the game, Eric Gray looked good. He looked decisive. He looked like he understood the assignments, having a better chance to actually work with the first team offense, which I'm sure he did at practice. I thought there were a couple, you know, at least chances that Daniel Jones took in the passing game early on. The Darren Waller drop was a killer middle of the game. They had a few other balls where Jones kind of looked a little bit more downfield to some extent. Jones missed on a couple throws from a ball placement standpoint that killed some drives, but you know, it's not on him obviously today and no one would say it was, but you know, the giants are now at this place where they've got 125 minutes without scoring an offensive touchdown. Their offense is snapped. It's broken in half, Nick. And it's to the point where it's a hapless, uncompetitive offense. Like when Dave, David McKinney says after the game, like, let's not blame the defense here. I understand why people have a lot of feedback on that and are angry at him for that. But at the same time, I also understand how frustrating it can be when you put up seven points as a defense on your own with a pick six and you have an interception in their territory to put on another short field for the Giants offense and another turnover. You have three turnovers in the game and you're constantly on the field because your offense is so broken, Nick. And I just can't not believe that the Giants have had this many stretches of broken offense. And I don't mean like, you know, middle of the pack offense. I don't mean like bottom 12, but in the 12 to 15 range offense. I can't think of any great examples now, but something like like what Raiders are doing, they catch some stretches this year. I could think about it if I took some time. The Packers are a good example. The Giants have now been to a place where they are purely broken on offense and hapless to the point where it's like embarrassingly bad. It gives you no chance to win football games. They've done this now for all of the season except for two quarters. And this isn't the first time it's happened over the last five years. This happened in 2021. This happened in 2020. This happened in 2019. This didn't happen in 2018 for the most part. It was pretty good offense that year. This happened in 2017. This didn't really happen in 20, or this happened pretty much in 2016. The offense sucked minus some Beckham slants that he took to the house. 2015 offense was good. 2014 offense was good. Didn't have too many of these dead stretches. And even 2016, maybe there weren't too many dead stretches, but I bet there were, honestly, some dead stretches of offense. And it's just amazing to me that we're here, you know, with that many of those years being hapless. And that's the first thing to me. I just, I can't believe we're at the point of just hapless offense for, again, at, and then, like, then you think about the offensive line, Nick, and it's like, after the game, Josh Azudu crying by his locker room, taking the blame, putting it on himself because he Jones got hurt in this game, which we have to talk about as well. Meanwhile, is it really his fault that he's forced to play left tackle in the NFL when he was drafted to be a guard, didn't have the skill set to play left tackle? And the reason, real reason he's playing there is because the Giants have failed 
Daniel Jones and the Giants have failed their fans and the franchise by not finding any kind of capable option. They used a third round pick to develop Matt Parrott. They failed. He didn't develop. He was supposed to be a developmental prospect. By this point in his career, he was supposed to be developed into a player who can step in as a swing tackle when your starter goes down and not look like Josh Azudo out there because Josh is not a tackle. That's why he looks like he does out there. They have a guard playing next to him who probably wants to retire because he doesn't feel like he has it anymore. And Mark Lewinsky. They have a left guard playing center. They have a right guard who tore his ACL and was a six-round pick. And they have a right tackle who can't figure it out. Who also left the game, too. McKee, who McKee also left, left the game. McKeithen left the game, correct. And had, then they had to go down to what's-his-name Mayfield or whatever the hell his Jaylen name is. Mayfield. I don't care. Jeez, I don't want to know. I don't even care that I don't really know. And I do know it was Jaden Mayfield. But if I didn't, I don't care. Because that's the state of the Giants' offensive line. They're taking random guys. Some of them were in camp. Some of them are on the practice squad. But... I don't blame Josh Azudu for Daniel Jones injury or for any of these hits that he took because he shouldn't have been playing there in the first place. This is a giant's failure, Nick. And my biggest issue now, Nick, as we push this forward is this look in 2021, when it all bottomed out for the giants, I wasn't in as dark a place as I am now. Why Nick? Because in 2021, I knew they were getting rid of Gettleman. They were getting rid of the coach. Joe Judge, two people I never believed in. I was, you can go back and listen to the podcast for anyone who doesn't believe, anyone who's listened long-term knows this. When everybody bought in on Joe Judge after that first year, I was the only one skeptical. I was one of the few people skeptical because I knew what I saw there. He was a fraudulent coach who was never going to make in the NFL. And I didn't give a crap about winning shitty games against a shitty Seahawks team and other crappy games they won at the end of that year. But last year, it felt real with Brian Dable. They won real games. They won a playoff game where they put up 31. They beat the Ravens. They had a few other interesting real wins looking wins to me. And I'm not ready to give up on these two, Nick, but it's in, it feels a lot worse now because I knew we were cleaning house then. And who knew, knew it was going to happen at the quarterback position. They went with Jones for another year and then they resigned him. But now they have all these big contracts, two of which I'm most of which I'm fine with outside of potentially Daniel Jones. We'll see what happens with that. But they also, we don't know right now if we can definitely feel comfortable anymore, Nick with Dable or Joe Shane. To be completely honest, I still believe in both of them to an extent, but I'm even questioning them for the first time. I don't know about you if you are, Nick, but this was definitely the moment for me where I'm starting to question what's going on here and where the Giants are at because they are one of the worst teams in the NFL right now. How does that happen when you spend all that cap space and you push forward all those contracts and you sign debt pieces like Ashawn Robinson and you sign all these other players? You're pushed up against the cap right now, deferring money to next year with Jones contract, deferring money to next year with this Lawrence contract and all these other contracts to have small cap hits for this year. Why do you want a small cap hit for this year? Jones's cap hit is what, 15 million this year? Why do you want that if you're a team when it's going to be 47, 52? Because you're going in for now. But right now, they're one in four, Nick, and they're not competitive in all but two quarters this year. So it's hard to feel even as comfortable as I felt in 2021 when I knew there were changes coming. Word of Mets, thank you yeah. so much for the donation. Got to shout you out. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. It's easy to jump off it right now, right? It's a fiery ship. There's a beautiful ocean. Let's jump into that ocean. That's kind of where all the Giant fans are, rightfully so. Look, we know Brian Dable can coach football. I believe that he can coach football after what we saw last year, his time with the Buffalo Bills, leading that team last year to the playoffs. So I'm not abandoning Brian Dable, but that doesn't mean he's not at fault to some degree. Daniel Jones, the NFL's on to him. He's has not taken the step that we hoped that he was going to take. The Giants are significantly behind the sticks, putting so much more of a burden on him, and his offensive line is complete and utter ass. And when you kind of throw all of that and make a recipe of it, it's going to taste like shit. 
And that's what's going on with the New York Giants right now. Giants can't fall behind. They fall behind in every game. They don't score any points in the first half. They fall behind. You have Josh Azuto at left tackle. You have Marcus McKeithen at right guard, if you're lucky. If not, it's Jalen Mayfield or Jalen Thomas or whoever. So the Giants right now on the offensive line, that's where the I think the primary issue is. And I don't know if that's going to be rectified unless you get Andrew Thomas back. And right now, I'm not certain when Andrew Thomas is going to come back. And you have JMS hurt. It's, it's a one percentile outcome from what could have happened to the New York Giants, what's going on right now. And I've said that, I think, two weeks in a row. I sound redundant, but I have to keep stressing that. This is the lowest outcome that could have happened for this team. We're talking, Dan, if it wasn't for one half in Glendale, Arizona, this team is defeated. And it feels like they are right now. And I think a lot of Giant fans might have signed up to not have that, throw their hat in the ring of the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, man. It's um, a... I don't even know what else to say about, about that specific thing. We could talk about this game, but right now, I'm not abandoning Joe Shane. I'm not abandoning Brian Dable quite yet, but that doesn't mean they don't deserve to hear all the criticisms that should be levied towards them. And I'm also just wondering, because I look at all, all these other teams around the NFL, Dan. Mm-hmm. Oh, offensive line gets hurt. Offensive line, oh, this guy comes in. Oh, look, he's good. Why doesn't that ever happen to the New York Giants? Why doesn't an NFL offensive lineman ever come into this team and actually step up and be like, wow, he's good. Every offensive lineman that gets a chance here for the New York Giants sucks. Why? Why is that? And that's where I really think a lot of the questions should start before we start to kind of throw Brian Dable and and Brian Dable deserves some blame for that possibly, but you know, there are other people too, to blame for that. Brian Dable and Joe Shane overboard. I think that's a great point because it's amazing how you can just look around the NFL and it doesn't always work out to a great extent. There are some examples of these backups coming in and being amazing, but there are more examples of these backups coming in and being somewhat passable. When they happen for the Giants, it looks like Josh Azudu on an island. It looks like Marcus McKethan and his backup on an island. I thought McKethan had some good moments. I don't think he's been that great since he came in, to be honest. like That's not a piece I look at. like He's definitely a solution for the Giants moving forward. I'm hoping, I guess, maybe, but like I don't love his tape that much, and I don't think he's, his profile projects to me as someone who I'm I definitely think so, is a solution player. I Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think it's more of a developmental thing, and I can't speak to today's game, and he left early anyways, but I broke his tape down over at Big Blue View if anybody wants to go check it out. To me, he significantly struggled down the stretch of the previous two games against the 49ers and Seattle. And I think it was primarily a fatigue thing. Yeah, if you okay. watch in the fourth quarter, he's just like hugging and, and, and tonging and doing all the stuff that you're not supposed to do as an offensive lineman. But regardless, to your point, he shouldn't even be out. That should be a Mark Lewinsky thing. And that, that signing has not worked out like Joe Shane has hoped, right? And that was, and, that, and again, you, you could point to the previous regime and say some of that is because of Dave Gettleman leaving him with absolute crap. And you kind of tried to make a diamond out of nothing and signing a veteran, something that we all applauded. But then Mark Lewinsky just took a step back from who he was in Indianapolis. And now he can hardly crack a rotation that is terrible. And what does that say about that? Like, I'm looking forward, Dan, to Justin Pugh. I'm looking forward to Justin Pugh. This guy tore his ACL. He's like 34 years old, 33, 34 years old. He tore tore his ACL in week six last year. I went through his Arizona tape last year. He's the best interior offensive lineman not named John Michael Schmitz right now. But I don't know if that's a compliment. It's not good. It's not a good place to be in. I do wonder the question you asked, though, Nick, which is how does it keep happening where the Giants are so inept, like inept to wild degrees on the offensive line? We're not talking about like there, it's just like a wild to see. Like there's backups around the NFL who aren't good and they come in and they're not like saving the world or lighting the world on fire, but they're not like getting beat in such like stupid ways over and over and over again. And we even had another example today where like 
another communication issue with Neil and Jones where there's just a free rusher again coming on Neil's side. And it's like, how many free rushers am I going to need to see in a, in a second year system with the quarterback and a fifth year for the quarterback? I know it's that you guys don't want to hear it. Probably, I guess some of you, but like in the end, like Eli made the protection calls, right? Like all these greats make protection calls. They don't let free rushers come in. Don't you want him to do that too? Don't you want to be a team that does that? And like, I'm sick and tired of seeing those. And those don't even have to do with the major problem, which is what you said, which is just the general play of the offensive line, what they're putting on film. Like you said, it's somehow so much worse than the backups around the NFL. Because like you said, all these teams are dealing with injuries. I and mean, not all these teams. Some teams are dealing with injuries on the offensive line. But like, I back it up, Nick, to the point of like, why it feels so different to me than 2021 is again, like I knew we were getting rid of Gettleman and judge. And I didn't think either of them were long-term solutions. I went into this year thinking both Joe Shane and, and Brian Dable were long-term solutions. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not off that page yet, but I have to start questioning it specifically on Shane. I'll talk a little bit about Dable, but to be honest, I don't think Dable really has any chance this year with this, with the personnel he has in front of him right now until maybe they get healthier on the offensive line and Jones takes a step up in his play. That's the only way they're ever getting anything going. And I'd love to see Brian. I'm just going to say point blank. I'd love to see Brian Dable with the quarterback who has talent like Josh Allen. That's it. And maybe you say, I can't find that, but I don't care. Give me the next level talent. I want to see more talent at that position and on the offensive line, because I agree with you. Offensive line is still the major problem. Don't get me wrong. That still remains the case. Jones would look much better with the offensive line, but I still don't know if the ceiling is totally there. Even if we do have a good offensive line, that's my other point on that. And I think you're understanding. It's, it's like, not though. It's not like, there, but it's you not. Know, we can just flat out is. say, and I'm not saying that to despair. Daniel Jones. Look, I hope he's healthy, but Daniel Jones, if you're talking about ceiling on an offense, the ceiling on the offense that the Giants have right now would be Josh Allen and what the Buffalo Bills had back in 2021. That's maybe even not even the ceiling, but that's scratching the potential in the ceiling. Daniel Jones what? doesn't have that. Okay, like that's just not who the Giants were but even last season. Some people do believe that even last year, and this is a fair comment, Nick. He didn't have good weapons last year. He didn't really even have that good of an offensive line last year. He did have great coaching. So there will always be the what if he had a great yes. O-line and great receivers, right? There will always be that. I understand that. And that's totally fine. But everything he's put on tape shows like it doesn't really give you, it shouldn't give you that much confidence yeah. that it would be that great. Like I put this out today before the game, Nick. To me, I was just thinking about this watching Jacksonville and Buffalo because both of those quarterbacks were taking a lot of hole shots, Nick. They were throwing a lot into areas of the field that I don't see the Giants take. Sorry, do you want to say something? And you can cover yeah, it. I was going to say, dude, we, we've been saying this since after the bye week last year, before the Giants went on the run and, and secured a playoff spot and won a playoff game. It's like, why doesn't the Giants offense look to the field side at all? Everything is a half field read to the short side of the field. Why is that? And the Giants were able to leverage Daniel Jones's athletic ability and Daniel Jones's escape ability, and that helped win the New York Giants football games. But as we've said so many times, beating a dead horse, we've said this ad nauseum, the Giants don't attack that field side because that's where you were going with this, right? You were watching that well, game this morning. Yeah, and there was a that that is part of where I was going with it, Nick. But it even gets boiled down to even simpler stuff than that. So here's the things I said. We've watched the film, Nick. This is all we do is sit here and watch tape of this this quarterback. We've seen every single game by him 30 different times from every angle. Like, this is what we're paid to do. This is what we do. And I said, at some point during Daniel Jones's career, because I said, this is just a thought I had watching Jacksonville, Buffalo. At some point during his career, I need to see double-digit examples. So just 
Please understand that word. Don't be like, he did it one time in 2020, week four. Here's the example. I don't want one example. I don't want two examples. I don't want three examples. I want double-digit examples per year of the following things. And you should want it too, by the way. I want it. You want it. This is the only way they're going to get good. Field side completions, 10 plus air yards, in stride, long touchdown throws, whole shots of any kind. I said, even to the play side, any kind, back shoulder throws for first downs, backside digs, seam completions of 10 plus air yards. Those six things, there are alarmingly few number of these on tape over five years. You can say he has all this problem. He's the old line. Da, 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 da. Yes. Okay. I get it. But at some point you need these things to move an offense. Cause that's what I saw watching Jacksonville and Buffalo. And that wasn't even a good offensive game for those teams. And yet I still saw those quarterbacks throw to those areas of the field that I talked about. And if we're being honest, there's an alarmingly few numbers. And when they re-signed him, they didn't resign him to run back the 2022 offense with boot action and with quick game. They designed him because they want him to take the next level and start throwing to the areas of the field I talked about. And the offense, and I get it, the offensive line sucks. Don't even tell me. I understand. It's horrible. He can't do that now. But last year, it wasn't that bad. At times, it hasn't. It's not like every single snap of the year has been a bad block or poorly blocked play. We put plenty on Twitter where they weren't poorly blocked. And you can go find them if you watch game film. And that's on those plays where I just want to see a, a little bit more of an aggressive mindset from him and a quicker processing. I just feel like, Nick, watching Daniel Jones, this is still my main thing with Jones. We're going to get off Jones because there's a lot of other things to worry about, in my opinion. And I want to get into this was an offshoot, Nick, but I wanted to make a point before that about the the GM and the coach. But it just feels to me, Nick, when I watch Daniel Jones, he's just so slow going through everything once he snaps the ball. And even with Ty Tyrod Taylor in there for a drive, it felt like everything was clicking faster in his mind. And Taylor is not nearly as talented of a quarterback as Jones. The Giants are a worse football team with Tyrod Taylor. I am not one of those people who's like, put in Tyrod Taylor. The Giants are going to be better. I don't think that. But the one thing I think he does better than Jones is everything's just faster for him. It moves faster. He goes through it faster. He's not so slow with every goddamn movement. And it's just the mind works at a different level than Jones is. And he doesn't even have a great processing mind. But it's just so fucking slow with Jones, man. And I'm just so tired of seeing that speed of processing at the quarterback position because it's so hard to win. And it's great when the coaches figure it out. There were some plays today that Waller slants on third and 11, the third and nine they converted, where like Jones caught the snap and was able to quickly find the read that he thought would be their pre-snap. And it was there. So it looks good. But it can't just be on the snaps where he thinks it's going to be their pre-snap. It has to just be every snap. That mind just has to be moving a lot faster, man. You have to be able to read what the defense is doing right at the snap and then know where your receiver is going to be if it's not that first read. And that's where Daniel Jones struggles. If it's not the first read and he can't use his legs, can he find another read? Can he find, based on whatever the defense is showing him, someone who is open? One of his teammates be like, okay, I know my teammate's going to be open since they're running this. I thought it was this pre-snap, but it's running. And that's happening so damn quick in your mind. Jones, yeah. it just takes a little bit longer to process. And one more point on on the whole shots that you were talking about, watching other quarterbacks around the NFL, because people I see in the comments, people are like, well, Jones doesn't have any time. There are plays where those quarterbacks have no time and everything right. is breaking down. It's not like Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or these other quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, they're dropping back and it's just a completely vacant pocket. No one's around him and he could just tie his... It's not like that, man. So I understand the excuse and Daniel Jones, he's under fire. And the offensive line to me is, is the biggest problem with this football yes. team right now. I'm going to make that clear, but Jones still isn't doing anything despite that fact. He's still not, he's not rising this team above the level on any of those other plays, man. He's just running around 
escaping the pocket when he doesn't have to at times, like a chicken with his head cut off. And I understand that the offensive line is an excuse, but Daniel Jones rarely ever makes those throws, the throws that you were talking about, the six types of plays that you were just referring to. We don't see that. And when we do, we get excited and we rave about it, but that should be happening so much more frequently for a quarterback yeah, it, that's getting paid $40 million a year. Even if you're not getting paid $40 million a year, just any starting quarterback, you're not going to have a successful passing offense that can be consistent and win you Super Bowls or contend for Super Bowls if you have fewer than double-digit examples of the six things I brought up. And I got to be honest, like, thinking about it, dude, I don't even have, like, any examples. I have, like, four to six per career of those things, dude. Not even per year. Like, whole shots, like, to any area. Field side stuff, there's nothing. There's basically nothing. There's the Hodgins play from last year against Minnesota. There's an occasional, there's, you know, five to ten a year type stuff. But, man, like, some of these plays, like, people say you need time for whole shots. What about the Hyatt play against Seattle two weeks ago? He didn't need time for that. He got baited into throwing the one before halftime in the two-minute drill. He got yeah. baited into throwing the into the sitting trapping corner. And if he had audible pre-snap to, or gave a signal to Hyatt, he could have just caught the snap and thrown the whole shot. Because that's the thing. You can throw a whole shot in under two seconds. You're throwing into space. Like, you don't have to just wait for them to get open and be land. Hey, hey, I'm here. Like, you throw and lead. You see what Brock Purdy was doing all night? Every pass was in front of the receiver. He was leading every receiver. I know he has a great pocket. Don't even tell me that. I understand Purdy has a great yeah. pocket. But, like, it's got to – got to – like the guy said to this week, you got to learn to throw with anticipation. You're never going to make it in this NFL if you don't throw and lead receivers into space. You're just waiting for everyone to be open or waiting for the perfect pre-snap call that is shows up post-snap as you expected, as Kafka gave it to you. Like, it just has to be more there. But I don't want to blame – turn this into too much more Jones, Nick. I want to talk more, like, big picture stuff for a little while before we get into the game. Like – that's the concern for me. Like I was going to say with Dable, like this is where it started with Dable. I personally, I'm just going to be honest. I don't want them to fire him. And until they get an upgrade at both quarterback and offensive line, I'm never going to personally blame Dable in my personal opinion. And I think it's pretty obvious based on what we're seeing now last season. Most of what happened last year was Dable and Kafka figuring out a way to make this current personnel effective. And that includes the quarterback and they maximize the hell out of Daniel Jones. Now people are adjusting to it. Let's see what happens. But in Shane's case, Nick, it's a little different because why I want to stay on Shane is that I like the process every step of the way. I feel like his process has been fire every step of the way. He's even invested a lot of big capital in the offensive line. That's the craziest part about it. But yet, no one's really hit so far. Kayvon's been the closest thing he's had to a big hit, I think. Neil could be a potential huge bust, which at seventh overall will kill you as a GM. We're not getting much out of those second and third rounders, really. Guys that we needed to get big stuff out of a Zudu. Um, obviously flawed and, and any of those players, Wondell Robinson makes a little bit of an impact, but, and he's had the injury, but you know, with Shane, we're at the point where I, I am, it's not like I'm second guessing these guys, Nick. It's just like, it can't, it, it, it's not what it was. Like we can't be this team that's getting blown out every week, year two of this regime. That's not, we weren't supposed to go backwards in the development that far. No, no, no. And I understand your frustration. I don't think John Mara should like, we're not advocating that Joe Shane. I know you're not either. You're just saying like, Hey, I thought we were going to be here. We're not here. And we're not, it's not just that we're losing games. We're seeing your picks flop historically bad type stuff. If the giants ever did part ways with Joe Shane though. And that's not what we're advocating for. No, I think Brian Dable would also have to go and they would have to just blow the entire spot up. Which yeah, is unfortunate, right? So I, I think this think... leash is—I think this leash is long. I think they—they they were risky. They 
got drunk and got high on the on the end of the 2022 season. Some might say rightfully so. I think they were also backed into a corner where Daniel yes. Jones had some leverage because they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, and there really weren't other options for them to pursue. They were picking way too high in the draft, and there weren't any free agents out there that you could bring in. And if you did part ways with Daniel Jones, it would have looked terrible oh, from the locker room perspective. So they paid him before Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, so the deal is manageable and they can get out of it after what i think two years it's still a little bit dings they had to push stuff back but i'm not off the joe shane wagon but like i don't i don't know what the the fix is for evan neal specifically we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons. And one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less, yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. You will not regret it. 
Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. There are few things better in the world than kicking back, watching. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Some football and biting into some delicious Little Caesars pizza. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame. One hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Old world pepperoni, pepperoni, extra cheese, Italian sausage, olives, onions, pineapple if you're into that. Put it on half the pie, the entire pie. There are so many other options that I don't have time to name. Slap that on a round crust, a thin crust, a stuffed crust, a Detroit style deep dish. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, Everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. To exercise and recover at your best, you need quality sleep. And to achieve quality sleep, the right mattress matters. Mattress Firm will help you find the right mattress for restful and restorative sleep with their wide selection of high-quality mattresses from top brands at every price point. Quality sleep on the right mattress means improving your overall performance both in and out of gameplay. And with Mattress Firm's low price guarantee, you can rest easy. See a lower price? Mattress Firm will match it. Plus, try it for 120 nights to make sure it's right for you or your money back. To start feeling and performing at your best, find your mattress at the early holiday savings event at your local Mattress Firm store or online. We are brought to you today by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil in trouble. Manscaped's all-new handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code BIGBLUE for 20% off plus free shipping. And for all my wolfmen out there, yo, shout out. If you got a little bit more scruff on your face, Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit has everything you need to tame your mane. This cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard. So no more drawers full of extra add-ons collecting cobwebs and it's very annoying to organize. There's no trick with this treat. Manscaped has you covered. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGBLUE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BIGBLUE. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself the handyman from Manscaped. We're, we've been talking a lot about Jones. I get that. We have to. I don't know what else to do here. This is the team. This is. I get it. The offensive line sucks. It's a big reason they're losing games this year. But we need to figure out what the hell is going on with this franchise moving forward. And 
if the Giants keep losing football games and get to one in five, it's frustrating right now with where the Giants are at right now. Um, it is. It it's, is. It's, it sucks. Like they they got themselves into the shitty spot. Hard to really understand what's going on with the offensive line, like how they can't get any kind of competency there from these backup players when other teams can. I think at this point you have to consider the development of these players, the coaching, and how much of a role they play. I don't know what Brian Dable is going to do from that standpoint, but I know Possibly one thing, Nick. How they handle yeah, training camp snaps, and I didn't really want to come out and right. criticize. I know other people are criticizing that, and I totally get where they're coming from, but I do believe versatility is important. But when you're this bad, you have to start considering every single option, right? And that's one that kind of sticks out. It's like, well, you cross-train this guy at like three or four different positions, maybe sticking with one might have benefited him a little bit. I think that's a fair assessment and a fair criticism of the Giants coaching staff. Yeah. At this point, by what we've seen. It is, but I I think that this root issue for the offensive line goes even deeper than that. Like, you know, we, you know how I feel about training camp. Perhaps I think they're very overrated to begin with personally, because you're not getting live. They're not live. They're not against pads. The the pass rushers can't really go at you. When, When the push comes to shove in the game, it's like, simple shit is not happening. Like Josh Zedu can't can't set on an Island, right? Like Evan Neal can't beat a speed rusher. Like this is just some of the simplest ways to lose. We've seen these offensive linemen lose in ways that are like almost make it look like these offensive linemen are like high school type of players or like D two type athletes when the, the way they can't like do some things on a football field, the way the giants lose in some of the most basic ways on the offensive line. And that's a big problem in the development of these players. Obviously you don't have much time to develop them, but you know, at some point, something has to give when it comes to the offensive line. Like they're still obviously employing Bobby Johnson. He's a friend of Dables or whatever from their end chains, from their Buffalo games, from the Buffalo days. But I don't know. At some point, maybe switch that up and see what happens. At mid-season, you can't expect a miracle. Like, no one's going to come in and be able to retool the way these guys block. But at some point, you have to try something. The offensive line looks terrible again this game. They can't really generate much in the run game. They can't really pass protect on an island at all. And Nick, if the Giants lose next week to the Bills, and obviously based on this game, it seems almost impossible Giants would win that game. Like the Giants got it to 32-16 at one point in this game or 32-15 or whatever it was. Um, And it was with a defensive pick six, 102 yards. Like that was a 15-point swing that the that the uh, Dolphins gave up. Like that's not good. Like they got outgained by 300 yards in this game which is insane. That's so many yards get out game by. So if they lose to the bills and drop to one and five, they basically would have to go at worst. Well, what would it be? They would have to go eight and two at worst, in my opinion, to make the playoffs over their last 10 games to get to nine and seven or no, no. Yeah. yeah, Nine and no, no, it's 10. I forgot. We have the extra game. They'd basically have to go nine and two, right? Yeah. They'd have to go nine and two to get to 10 and seven. That would, yes, they have to go nine and two to get 10, seven, unless you think they can get in at nine and eight, but to get in at nine and eight this year, you have to basically hope the Seahawks aren't in contention with you because they have the wild, uh, they have the tiebreaker over you. Right. Um, and so then you don't, and nine and eight doesn't even guarantee you a playoff. So anyway, nine and two, let's say it is, let's say the number is nine and two, Nick, they're not going nine and two if they get blown out by the bills. And at that point, like if you're Joe Shane and Brian Dable, it's going to be a really interesting spot, Nick. I'm very curious to see how fast they pivot off of playing for now to try to come back in the season and go nine and two or trading Saquon Barkley, trading Leonard Williams, trading a Dory Jackson guys who aren't under contract next season, but could provide value for other teams around the trade deadline. I'm very curious to see what happens there, Nick, because I'll be honest. 
I am of the forward mind thinking mind that set that like if they're at one and five, dude, and they don't look competitive at all against Buffalo. And we don't know when Andrew Thomas is coming back and all that shit. I want to trade. I want to sell. I want to find assets that can help the team moving forward because I know they're not going to bring back Leonard Williams. I don't think they're going to bring back Saquon Barkley. You never know, I guess there. And I don't necessarily think they're going to bring back a Dory Jackson. And you can even throw Xavier McKinney into that mix. Honestly, if you want to, at this point, like, is Xavier McKinney definitely someone they're going to need to resign Nick in this Wink Martindale defense? I don't know. I don't think so. Probably had his best game too of the season. He did have his best game. He was in good spots. Yeah, yeah he had but, the PBU. He had the forced fumble on HN. Yeah. He uh, got blamed by Jonathan Vilma for the blown coverage on Trey Hawkins, which he was, I, I think Vilma was wrong on that. I think the Giants were running um, one double robber, one double, whatever you want to call it, where it's cover one, Jason Pinnock deep. And then the two players who look like they could be middle hook or one's going deep, they drop down. Basically, it's a defense that you're going to run as like a third and seven situation to stop slant routes, stop dig routes, just try to help the cornerbacks on the outside with stuff like that. And uh, Trey Hawkins was kind of an inside shade. If it was, if he had inside help, he would have been on an outside shade. And Hawkins went to press Tyree Kill, and it was just dunzo after that. So that was a cover one uh, double buzz, I believe, from. Um, from the Giants and, and Vilma misread that. But yeah, man, Xavier McKinney, Adoree Jackson, Leonard, Saquon, all those guys would, would be in consideration. And it's just, it's something none of us, none of us expected this at all. And we're, we're in this reality now. We have to, we have to look forward. You know, this, we're back to the, instead of winning or playing for the now, obviously the players are going to play for the now, but us fans focusing on the now, we're having a more forward and future thinking mindset. And that's where we're at. It's like 2021 all over again, only to your point before the coach and the GM are more than likely, I would say 98% going to be back. I don't think either of those guys are going to be let go, obviously. Nor yeah, I would, they, in my opinion. I would say it's 98% too. And I'm, I'm with you. I'm still on willing to give them another chance, of course. Um, and I think you made a good point earlier about how last year's momentum and the wins and obviously the playoff victory as well did play a role in kind of positioning themselves to where they're at this year. Like they didn't really have any option in my opinion, then to resign. And people are like, Oh, they should have resigned Saquon Barkley and tagged Daniel Jones, which is an okay idea until you realize that Saquon Barkley's out again with an injury for the fourth straight season. And he's a 26 year old running back. Like, is that really a solution pouring in? What did the Colts give 26 million guaranteed to Jonathan Taylor? That's probably what the Barkley contract would have came in around like for a position that gets injured every year and is only going to lose athleticism as it goes and requires and relies on athleticism to be effective. Like that does like, yes, they wouldn't have had the Jones contract, but then what are they going to do next? Right? Like unless they lose enough games to go quarterback. So it's like, no matter what they did, I feel like people would be blaming Joe Shane and John and Bill and, and uh, Joe Shane and Brian Dable right now. I almost said John Mara, who also people will be blaming as well. So it almost feels like there was no option, but maybe they should be blaming. You know, like this is, you can't be this hapless of a football team. If we even think back to, to last year, the Giants, they were very opportunistic. They won a lot of those games. They were close games. Right. Look at what the Minnesota Vikings are going through right now. They're losing a lot of close games. They mm -hmm. won so many close games. It's just regression to the mean. I think I saw somebody put that in the comments and they're hundred percent right. It is regression to the mean and the giants last year, if I'm not mistaken, they started slow a lot in the Jacksonville game. They had the Darius Slayton touchdown to open the game. But I remember us complaining like, yeah, they often start slow. They fell behind often. And then they kind of rallied in the second half and would, uh, and would have these comebacks. And it was awesome right now. They're starting slow and they just can't rally because once they fall behind without Andrew Thomas, that's a big deal. That's yes. Andrew Thomas is a top. What? 
five tackle in the league, top five, top three tackle in the league. He's no longer there. And last year you had guys like John Feliciano and, and Nick Gates and players like that, that probably an upgrade over who the Giants have now, not named JMS without JMS out there. And Evan Neal was playing next to Mark Lewinsky. At least he was a veteran, and that was a terrible situation. But now you're throwing McKeithen next to him, and you have two young players who are kind of learning on the fly. Evan Neal shouldn't be learning on the fly, but unfortunately, Evan Neal is learning on the fly. It, to me, it just looks slow, which is a which is a which is a big problem. The Giants gambled because they had Nick Gates and John Feliciano in house. Those guys weren't world beaters by any means, but they knew the system and they gave you a reliable snap. Then they gambled when they let both of them go. And the gamble they made was we have young players on the interior offensive line that we've drafted, McCathin, Azudu, players that we've brought into our PR system. Let's develop them. Let's not box them out. Let's not, you know. But what happened was they got injuries early. Those guys were forced to play at times where they could use a Nick Gates, at times where they could use a John Feliciano. I saw John Feliciano come in tonight and play a snap for the 49ers at left guard when Banks got hurt, and he looked okay. I thought he had a really good rep, actually, like Stonewall, the pass-rushing cowboy defensive tackle, whoever it was, and gave him really good pocket birdie on that play. I was just focusing on him because I was just like, let's watch John Feliciano at left guard. He was re decently reliable for the Giants. And they gambled. They said, I want to get the young guys snapped. Well, guess what? Your young guys are not developing. The Giants don't have a single offensive swing tackle they can rely on when either of those two guys gets injured to the point where Matt Parrott, who they drafted again to be developmental, is not ready to come into a game. And so they have to put a left guard out there. On the interior offensive line, they're calling up the Jalen Mayfields of the world. They're putting in Mark Lewinsky, though he probably doesn't even want to play football at this point of his career because he feels like he doesn't have it anymore, which is my guess of what's happening in that situation. And so it's just like they gambled and I get the gamble. It's a forward looking gamble by Joe Shane to say, I want to develop the young guys on the offensive line. Cause there's a bigger ceiling with those guys and the Felicianos and the gates. But what's going to happen sometimes when you gamble is you're going to lose. You're going to get the bad variants. You're going to get the bad beats. And this is a bad beat for the giants and Joe Shane, because the guys that they have left on the offensive line are not even on the level of a Nick Gates and a John Feliciano. And at least those guys are passable and they would have given Daniel Jones in this offense a chance. But without that, relying on these young guys, McCathin, who got injured today, Azudu trying to play left tackle, Bredesen trying to play center. It's just not working out right now. Which is such a crazy thing, because we've heard Kafka say in the past that John Michael Schmitz, or not John Michael Schmitz, but the center helps set the protection, and then it's ultimately on the quarterback. That's what he said in that Twitter spaces, but the center is going to help set that protection. Now you're forcing Ben Bredesen to do that. Ben Bredesen took a couple snaps in training camp at center, but when J.C. Hassenauer, and I remember when he got hurt, I was like, there's no other actual center behind a rookie guy that we have in John Michael Schmitz. So what are they going to do? Okay, they're going to cross-train Ben Bredesen. All right, hopefully John Michael Schmitz doesn't get hurt. Well, John Michael Schmitz ended up getting hurt. And even when JMS was out there, the Giants' offensive line was still significantly struggling. But in terms of setting the protection, now you have a backup in there attempting to do that, along with a quarterback who has to run for his life. It's just such a terrible recipe for success on offense, man. And, and everything has just gone wrong. A lot of stuff went right for the 2022 Giants. Maybe we didn't focus enough on that, Dan, we gave a lot of credit to the turnovers at the Giants defense, timely yeah. and timely turnovers, the prompt ones that they forced that really helped swing the New York Giants to victory. You could argue the Jacksonville game was one of those. The Baltimore Ravens game was one of those. And if the Giants don't do that, the Giants defense don't, don't they don't seize that opportunity, then the Giants probably don't make the playoffs. And who knows what the New York Giants would have done during this offseason, right? So it's just right. kind of crazy how you could think of an alternate universe where, yeah, the Giants didn't make the playoffs last year, but would they be set up in a better place for the future if that did happen? I'm not sure.
yeah, that's a that's not that's something we can't answer right now. I think this was an interesting comment by Danny Ban Banbage. I don't know how to pronounce your last name, Danny. I'm sorry. I uh, said the Giants are now last, dead last in DVOA. For those who don't know, Football Outsiders DVOA is what I would consider to be the best advanced metric. Personally, Nick, I'm not a pro football focused guy. I used to pretend I used to fake being one because I worked for them. And now that I don't have to worry, now that I don't have to worry about that. I'll just admit it. I think their process sucks and I don't trust the people charting those games whatsoever. And so I like football outsiders. I think those guys have had a track record of it. I used to read their almanac dating all the way back to 2006. And DVOA has been pretty consistent to show who's actually performing well. The Giants have the worst DVOA by a massive margin. The next worst team is minus 35% below them. That should, I mean, and it's, what have we seen? two quarters of competitive football in a 20 quarter season, Nick. Right. And that's it. And those two quarters came against Arizona who has what one win this season, a one in four team. You could say they're fighting. They're tough, but they're still a one win team, Arizona. And those were the only two competitive quarters they had all season long. So it's like, this is why it's like interesting to me. It's like, this is an epic disaster. It's not just Daniel Jones's fault. It's not just the offensive line's fault. If you want to rank them, you can say, okay, offensive line first to blame. Jones may be up there. I don't know, but offensive line, obviously first to blame, but it's everyone's fault. Like you are now one of the worst teams. And by DVOA, you are the worst team in the NFL this year. The giants, they're somehow the worst team. And yes, they played some good teams. The 49ers is Dallas even that good though. Nick <laughs> didn't look that good tonight. They got absolutely week, shit. Yeah. Camp in week the one. They were, you always got to look yeah. at like where these, how these teams are playing at certain parts of the, like that Dallas. I'm not were they that good or were the giants that bad is the better question to start combination of yourself. combination of both. I also just believe that the giants, like they went into that. Remember, let's put ourselves back in that headspace. It wasn't that long ago. We thought that the giants could win that football game. Yeah. Right? Like that's how I much they hype, would win that game. That's how much hype we had though. 40 to nothing. You allowed your division rival to come into your building, Dan and beat you 40 to nothing. That taste hasn't left the Giants' mouth. Maybe. Even after the Arizona win. You're probably right, and the, that should have wiped it out, that Arizona win. But, you know, I think this problem goes deeper. Like, I, I watched the Cowboys tonight. I don't think they're that good of a team. I think the Giants got – it shows how bad the Giants are. I've seen Seattle a few times. I don't think they're that good of a team. It shows how bad the Giants are. They got crushed by the 49ers, fine. The Dolphins are a good team, too. But the Dol- and, but And they got crushed by the Dolphins, fine. But, you know, two of those games, they're good teams, Seattle and Dallas. They're going to barely make the playoffs. But, like, I don't know, man. They don't look that good to me unless they're playing the Giants and they just have a total blowout win type of thing. Like That's a saw. crazy thing, though. The Giants looked better against the 49ers than Dallas did. Than anyone this year. I feel like that was their best game besides that half against Arizona. Like, but, you know, how much of that was ever. But, look, let me also say this. Thank you. Uh, thank you to Subo for donating to the podcast. Um, so we're going to get your question in a second. I want to point out a comment by Tone earlier uh please hit the like button if you're watching the show i keep forgetting to ask on these lives we have uh, a bunch of people in but we don't have that many likes on the video please hit the like button um to help us grow the show obviously but let's get to this question here from subo 23 thank you for donating to us uh can we get a great offensive line coach the nfl line coaches rarely become available could we try to bring one up from the college ranks make this a priority subo you're speaking to my you know you're speaking my language right now i have made countless countless pleas to the giants on twitter no one's reading that in giants so it doesn't matter but i make countless pleas over the last five six years covering this team at one point i wanted mike munchak and i made the plea for mike munchak at one point i wanted bill callahan and i made the plea for bill Callahan. i still want bill Callahan. 
at one point. I there were there's been multiple coaches throughout the years that I've made the pleas for, and every time my plea is the same. My sell is the same. Hiring an offensive line coach does not count against your salary cap. You can hire them for whatever you want, and you get an advantage if you pay more. What does it cost the Giants? Just John Mara's money, and John Mara has a whole lot of money in Tish. The owner's money. They got a whole lot of money. They ain't worried about it. They fire and hire coaches all the time with guaranteed years on their contract that they have to pay out after the firing. I don't even know by the time of Dable if they're still paying out both Judge and Shermer. It wouldn't shock me if they're still paying Judge and Shermer this year. That's how rich they are, and that's how little they care. So why don't you take that over? And, and I've heard like Wink Martindale's one of the highest paid coordinators. We don't know the numbers on that. I, you know, so I think it goes beyond that too, Nick. But why not do it on the offensive line? Shell it out. Pay the most money ever offered to an offensive line coach and bring back. You know who I want to have this to be, Don Nick? Bring back Dante Scarnecchia. Yeah, say, hey, Dante, I know you're retired. You had a long career. What about $10 million a year? Will that move the needle for you? I'm sure the Patriots are paying him like $2 million a year or something to coach the offensive line. We'll give you 10. We don't give, we'll just give you 10 mil. Anything. Do something about it because at this point, Nick, Nothing has worked that they've tried. Multiple different offensive line coaches, multiple different general managers, three different ones trying to field an offensive line now. Nothing seems to give. Let's turn to coaching. That's the one thing they don't have to give up draft capital to get. They don't have to give up free agency salary cap to get. All they have to do is give up John Maris and Steve Tisch's money, which honestly, I don't even know if they care about personally themselves. I'm willing to pay top dollar. And by me, I mean... John Mara and Steve Tisch, obviously. Steven Simons, thank you so much for your donations. And Skarnecki, look, he's 75. 75? That's the new 25. Bring him back. back. <laughs> Bring him back, baby. Bring him back, okay? I know he probably has, you know, he probably doesn't like the New York Giants too much. Giants kind of stole two Super Bowl championships from the Patriots. I'm imagining he was on staff for both of those since he coached for freaking ever in the NFL. But I've been wanting one of those offensive linemen for so long. You just think about the offensive line coaches that we have attempted to get hyped about. Through the years, like Mark Colombo, you have the Googs, Dave DeGuglielmo, and then you have Scar, or I almost said Scarnecchia there. And then that goes back to Hal Hunter. That's when we started right. the podcast. Hal Hunter was the offensive line coach, and that was pretty bad. And I'm not sitting here. Look, I'm not in the, I'm not in the room. I don't know how Bobby Johnson is as a coach. I always try to make that clear and give the man fair justice. But as I've said earlier in the podcast, when when your young players, when not one of them has developed, not one. You have to start pointing the finger at somebody, and who's that going right. to be? It's going to be his positional coach, whether that's fair or not. I'm sorry. Yeah, because it could uh, that that's and you you made a good point of saying it might not be fair. We don't know who this is on the player or the coach. Like the player, like somebody put in the comments, and I think it's a good point that they made. And uh, let me find it now, and I could find it. Uh, uh, I should talk said, a little bit about the game too. <laughs> he said, "There's nobody. We will. There's nobody that can fix a guy like Matt Parrott." He said he simply can't play, and I think that's a fine take by Todd Taylor. Like that was a bad draft pick. They whiffed on Matt Parrott. They thought he could develop. He said years developed. Every time they put him out there, he can't do anything in pass protection. So like that's the thing. Like it's like partially on the coach, and it's partially on just did you get lucky? Did you hit a guy who actually can develop into something? I think there's so much more that goes into playing the offensive line. And there was a comment that Brian Dable made after the game that I was, he was like, yeah, they got traits that I like, like speaking of Josh Azudu and some of the offensive linemen that were playing. Like they got quick feet. They're long, but you can find a lot of people who have quick feet and are long. Doesn't necessarily mean they're ready to play in the NFL right, against some right. of the better edge rushers in the league. And I think that like Brian Dable's not going to come out and say that, but right now he, he's putting traits out there. He's not putting a, a refined player out there. He's Great not putting man. a developed player. He's putting traits out there and hoping something sticks. Nothing is sticky though. Nothing. 
And yeah, I mean, trades aren't going to get him. Trades aren't going to get you the block to frame a block and, and make the block. You just, yeah, yeah, man. All right, well, let's let's transition over. We can talk a little bit about the game before we get out of here. We've already gone for. Yeah, we got minutes, a little question from D. Thank you so much, D. Kit. As always, we really appreciate. By the way, two things, D. Kit. Thank you for always shouting out our pod. Thank you for donating almost all these times. Thank you for supporting us on every single pod, hey, the despite man, the fact that this season sucks and it already is spiraling. I really appreciate you and what you do for us. Um, and I think even sometimes you rally the chat to give us likes and hit that like button. Um, so really do appreciate it. But go ahead, Nick. He just has question. Can you boys tell me who the leaders are on this team? I mean, we have right. 10 captains. Yeah, well, the 10 captains, if you actually want to know them, it's Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Andrew Thomas, Darren Waller, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Bobby Okereke, Adoree Jackson, Xavier McKinney, and Graham Gano. So you look at Saquon and Andrew Thomas, they're injured. Couple new faces in there: Darren Waller and Bobby Okereke, who are coming on. Coming on, I, I would say Dexter Lawrence, absolute stud. Leonard Williams hit and miss, and then Daniel Jones is just running around back there. But right now, if you're actually just talking about leaders, not just captains, who are those? Like Dan, if you were to paint the picture to somebody who covers another team, it's like who who are the leaders on this team? Who would you say? Like for me, it's Dexter Lawrence and and Saquon Barkley, probably right. Like, but like. Do any of them like jump out at you at some of the leaders that the Giants have had in the past, a la a Michael Strahan or players like that? Like, I do think there might be, I don't want to sit here and say the Giants don't have leaders on their team, but they might be missing that that veteran, I've, I've been around the block for a while type of leadership right now. And I think that's another reason why we're a little bit excited about a Justin Pugh, who, if you're a competitive NFL team, which the Giants aren't, but if you are a competitive NFL team, signing Justin Pugh. In, at the end of week four, shouldn't make you excited. But that's the reality right now that we're we're facing. So what, what would you say to that? Who are the leaders on the team? I would say you nailed it outside of one player. I would say it's Barkley, Dexter Lawrence, and Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones remains the leader for me. And I think a lot of people rallied behind his play in 2022 because he was so willing to take those hits that he's oh, still yeah. taking this year, especially when he was on the run and picking up first downs with his legs. And that's, you know, lead by example type of stuff. But I have seen odd things this year where like he's gotten hit and his offensive linemen haven't rushed to his defense and picked him up and 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 fought at times with the defensive players that I thought hit him a little hard or hit him a little high. And that's been odd for me to see, to be honest. I don't know what's going on there. I'm wondering if some of the crap from the outside is getting to them as well. The teammates about all the j the joking made about Daniel Jones, you know, not throwing the football downfield, scared to throw, like the 49ers said, um, staring down his first read, like Seattle said, so they're sitting on stuff. Like, I wonder if that's seeping into their heads too. I don't know. But I still think he's one of the leaders of this team, Nick. But I'll tell you one person I don't think is a leader of this team who has a captain. It's Xavier McKinney. Like, this is the thing. Like, I get his frustration with how bad the offense is and why he would make comments like the ones he's made today or the ones he made last week and the week before. But you'd also don't want to be the guy as a leader making comments three weeks in a row that can be sent in a lot of ways interpreted as saying the defense is doing their job. The offense is not because that's not what a leader does. And so he's not acting like a leader by talking to the media every week after every loss and being like, don't point the fingers at the defense. Don't point the fingers at the defense because all that is doing is dividing the team. So that's not what a leader does. So I wouldn't put him, he's a captain. I wouldn't put him as a leader to be completely honest. And I understand his frustration and I understand how annoying it be, can be to get questions from reporters that are framed in a, let's be honest, stupid way that don't really generate any kind of interest uh, other than waiting for him to make, say, say something wrong. And so they can use that quote, like they did with Evan Neal that day. And that was more on Neal. I get it. But like point being yeah. like, I can understand his frustration, but it's also not what 
a leader would too. So not McKinney for me. You're not you're not wrong, bro. JK, thank you so much. That's oh, very shit. kind of Thank you, JK. Yeah. I really appreciate that. That's fifty dollar donation. Thank you so much. Going to be a long season, fellas. It is. Appreciate it is. the content. Well, we really appreciate you and, and thank <sighs> you so much again. And um, I wanted to touch on something too that your average fan said. They said, Do they have any vocal leaders? Because I brought up Dexter Lawrence's name. Right. And I don't know if he's like, a quiet guy. He's a well, I don't know if it's quiet, but he, he's kind of like, you know silly ish but also like serious i'm just like wondering like do they have that guy who's gonna like get in your face and like rah-rah type of like leader uh, on uh either side of the football and i think you made a, a really nice point about xavier mckinney too that's one thing though about football teams the offense and the defense like they support each other obviously but through training camp those guys are at each other's necks the entire right. time and i can understand like just being around the sport and seeing at the college level seeing at the high school level it's like if you're a defensive guy and you only play defense you kind of the offense isn't carrying their weight. There's a lot of resentment there, especially after you force three turnovers. Like the defense forced three turnovers today. I get it. They gave up 500 yards. The explosive plays absolutely killed them. A lot of those were some explosive plays. There were times in the game where the Giants were bottling, I don't want to say bottling the Dolphins up, but they would like stop them a little bit. And then it was like one run to the edge. And it was like, oh, geez, there goes 35 yards to Raheem Mostert. There goes 40 yards to A-Chan. I'm telling you, they're, that's one of the fastest, most exciting teams. I wish the Giants had an offense like that, watching those guys run around. Like Jalen Waddle is like the third dude you're scared of. Isn't that nuts? The touchdown run, it is nuts because I was going to say he was the second, but the touchdown run HN had, um, the, the the long touchdown run. That was, and people have been putting clips on Twitter of him um, saying like, oh, I haven't seen this kind of speed since Chris Johnson, C2, CJ2K. I never really saw that on any of the tape, but I guarantee you when I watch this one back, Nick, it's going to look like that because it looked like Pinnock or whoever was the safety there had the easiest angle ever to stop that play. And he erased an angle that should have been the auto win for the defense. That's that kind of speed that he has and brings to that team. Even if Giants had that right now to like hit a hole, the right hole that was blocked up once, right? Like that could help them too. just like little things like that, that they don't have any home run player really on this, like outside of receivers. Like they, like that's the reason Barkley is so important to this team because the passing game is so dysfunctional from the standpoint of no matter what these receivers do, like there are times, Nick, where it looks like they're getting more separation on tape than others. There are times when it looks like they're not getting as much separation, but no matter what, the ball's just not coming out there because there's no time in the pocket and the ball's not getting out fast enough. And obviously it's not being thrown into space and not being thrown with anticipation a lot of the time. So like, no matter what, like, that's why I said last week, like the giants had freaking Jamar chase. I don't, or Marvin Harrison jr. I'm not so sure this would look that different right now, to be completely honest. I don't know if he could even get the ball. The Marvin Harrison Jr. in the ways that There's a lot, a lot of ball. 50 50 balls. <laughs> that's what we don't throw 50 50 up, balls. Yeah. We did, but today. Jones doesn't throw 50 50 balls. He threw one to ball, like threw a couple more today, but like he threw one to Slayton. It was just yeah. out of bounds. Slayton could have dragged his feet, but, it but was, what is it was that? Did tough. we have two today? Did we have any more than two up the sideline? Um, I think it was maybe just that one. I mean, you had some of the Waller, the Waller one up the seam, like finally a seam throw, but like. I just don't think Harrison changes this team immediately. Personally, I think the only way to fix this thing is get an offensive line. And then you can see the best version of Jones or obviously get a quarterback like these studs and then try to build a decent offensive line. It's one of those two routes. They're received like they can go Marvin Harrison if they want and hope that the line develops or they can sign enough guys when it gets to that point, if they are in contention to draft a Harrison type. But I just don't think that's the quickest fix at receiver right now. I think they need a line, and then they can get the best out of quarterback. The quarterback, Bob. Thank you so much for the donation. DJ is paid to help win you games. 
You shouldn't. I'm tired of the excuses. If he's this dependent on everyone else, then pay the offensive line 160 million instead. Bob, airing your frustrations about Daniel Jones. Hey, look, I can understand where you're coming from to, to a certain degree here. Yes. I mean, you are paying your quarterback to win games. The offensive line is significantly hindering that fact. But, you know, there have been a lot of other quarterbacks in the past who have overcome that. Daniel Jones just isn't right now. And I don't think he can with this specific offensive line. But as Dan and I have said several times on this podcast, we've watched the tape even from last year. There are areas of the field where Daniel Jones just doesn't target. And a lot of defenses are aware of that right now. And it's going to be on him to make them pay for it. And we haven't seen that nearly as consistent as we need to. Yeah. And we had a couple other comments, one from Bob, one from DK. If you want to throw those yeah, up, Bob, there. Bob comes back. Bob came back after that. Look at San Francisco. They moved on after spending a ton of capital on Trey Lance. Enough of this experiment. It's been a half a decade. He is what he is. One thing before we address that, I love how Bob left a comment about Daniel Jones, how we didn't like him. And then he was like, I have a subsequent comment. I'm going to pay another $5. <laughs> so thank you so much thank you for Bob. donating. You're helping us grow, Bob. And I appreciate it. Yeah. You, you understand we're taking the time to try to do this. And I appreciate you helping us out. But, you know, that's a great point about how the 49ers traded up multiple rounds, right? Like the 49ers should be in a position right now. You know, everyone always says, Nick, this is one of my favorite lines of draft seasons, the Giants draft seasons past. Like, don't you dare draft a quarterback because if you draft a quarterback and miss, you set your franchise back five years. Well, guess what? The 49ers not only drafted a quarterback and missed, they traded multiple picks to draft the quarterback and missed, and their franchise didn't get set back in any way whatsoever, actually. So maybe that whole moniker is not right and has never been right. And guess what? If you use the seventh overall pick on Neal or an offensive tackle, you could still miss, and the franchise gets set back the same way. There's no guarantee you're going to hit on whoever the hell else you draft in that position. So just keep that in mind because there is always that an argument that I hate about how you better be sure. First of all, how the hell can you ever be sure at quarterback? No one gets this right. Teams miss every year in the draft at quarterback. What do you mean you better be sure? The only way to better be sure is if it, you have the first pick and Andrew Luck is in that class. You have the first pick and Trevor Lawrence is in that class. That's how you can be sure. There's no other way to be sure. I think the only way you can avoid crippling yourself is once you realize that said quarterback is not the guy. You stick with them. That's how you cripple yourself. You have to come off the mistake. And that's what teams like the Arizona Cardinals did with Josh Rosen. That's what the San Francisco 49ers did. It's wild that Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, literally Mr. Irrelevant, was chosen over. You can add Sam Darnold, the former number three overall pick from another team, and the number three overall pick, like you said, that the San Francisco 49ers traded up for. I believe they could have had Jalen Waddell in the next draft. I think that was the pick that like the Eagles ended up getting and a, tra a bunch of trades ended up happening for, for that original San Francisco 49ers pick. But man, they're clicking on all cylinders. Like they're the favorite right now, probably in the NFC. It's either them or the Philadelphia Eagles. So you just got to know when to abandon ship. But Daniel Jones, one thing, man, like he took the jump from 2020, 2021 to 2022. He is the first guy in the building. Teammates do rally around him. He has not outward leadership qualities but the team seemed to really be galvanized around him last year has a lot of respect first guy in first guy out all that kind of stuff hardworking, which should be a requisite but it's it's just not in the nfl and i think that is another thing another reason at least why joe shane bought into uh bringing him back yeah you're right and the only question that we have to ask ourselves and we're obviously not going to get a better answer about this until the offensive line gets healthier nick but 
did Anjan, and this was the question I had, you know, I brought up all offseason. We talked about it a bunch, Nick. Did he take the jump, Daniel Jones, or did they hide and and create an offense that could work for him, but was somewhat smoke and mirrors or somewhat, you know, not much him, a lot of design, a lot of them. I and think it was, I think it was, I think it was design and it was him. But now that that's figured out, can you adjust off that? Cause he fit very well into the design system that Dable and Kafka had. Right. And he, he did, man, because you need an athletic quarterback that around his skill set, by the way. Exactly. And that's good coaching, too. And that's like another right. point that I want to make. That's good coaching because that is not what Mike Kafka was doing. And, and again, he wasn't the play caller, but that's not what they did in Kansas City. And it's not what they were doing with Josh Allen. Right. It's completely different offense. But right now, now that it's figured out, you need to find a way around that and adapt to what the defense is doing. And we just haven't seen that yet. Because that's the concern for me. The concern for me is the offensive line gets healthier. Thomas comes back. JMS comes back. They figure out Bredesen at left guard, right guard. Something gets a little better. It's not that bad. And Niels, whatever. It's better. And the offense still isn't that high ceiling because it's been figured out from a schematic standpoint. And one more thing, too. The Giants were last in explosive plays last year. And we have to realize that on offense. Yep. That's a big thing. Like I don't have it in front of me. I'm going to imagine the Buffalo Bills weren't last. Explosive plays under Brian Dable. Like I'm, I'm gonna imagine he doesn't want to have a yards per target of like six. I'm gonna imagine he probably wants to throw it down the field a little bit more than that. But I would think I so. We have a few other, here. a few other comments to get to. I think D Kit had another one. Yep. Ah, D Kit said I, I had, had to, to buy another. Yeah, go ahead, Nick. I had to buy another chat to ask this. Oh, do we have any players on this team that has been on a division winner or been to a Super Bowl? So I'm guessing a conference winner is what he's yeah. referencing. Like conference. has just been to a Super Bowl in general. Yeah. 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 Or I don't have the roster. Winner. A division winner. Um, I'm imagining the Giants have people who are know. divisional winners. I can look. Ashawn Robinson was probably with the Rams. He's right? a Super Bowl. He's a Super Bowl champion. Yeah. Ashawn Robinson won. He won a Super Bowl. I know that. Um, okay. Okay. No. Darren Waller. I don't think the Raiders ever won the division. No. Um, Might just be Ashawn Robinson. Yeah, Ashawn Robert. No, Raheem Nunez Rochez is a Super Bowl champion oh, too. Raheem Nunez, the so, two death pieces they brought in yeah, that, that two line. defensive line. They just be flanging, man. They're just like showing yeah. the rings, man. Uh, so yeah, those so. two. Um, I'm trying to think if there's another depth piece. They have a really young teams. So I doubt it. They do. They do, which is a good thing, right? And we have uh just a uh, Lion Pack Productions. Thank you so much for the donation. No question or anything. If you have a question, put it in the comments. I'll read it after this. You don't got to pay us another. Uh, anything else because you didn't add one here, but uh, thank you so much for your donation. And he actually has a question later. Uh, oh, there we go. Down. Boom. How can the offensive line look so bad on a fundamental level? Just one season. I think a lot of it has to do with opponents that they played the game script that they're falling, that yes. they're falling themselves into or whatever phrase I really want to uh, throw onto that. And the injuries, I think the injuries are a big reason why too. I mean, you lose Andrew Tom. That's a huge one. Because now you got Josh Azudu at left tackle. And if you just watch how the Giants organize their protection, the tight ends are chipping. The running backs are included. They don't want to do five-man protection. And it just seems like the defense does an excellent job timing up when the Giants are in five-man protection by sending those nickel blitzes and catching the Giants in the five-man protection. So that's like a big thing. You know, you go into a game plan. It's like, yo, we're going to be five-man protection for this, six-man protection for this. Against the 49ers, the Giants and, and Seattle, the Giants were in six, seven-man protections quite often. And 
there were still those nickel blitzes where they caught them the few times they were in five man protection. So I just think it's all of those. It's a, it's a lot of factors into it and missing your best player on the offensive line is going to significantly hinder you. Yeah, you're right. Um, all right, Nick, let's get to a couple of simple content and hair appreciation for Bill Hartnett. Thank you, Bill. I've, I've, t- I've talked to you a bunch on Twitter and stuff, Bill. Thank you. I appreciate Thanks, you been supporting the show for a while. Um, Nick definitely has the better hair than I do, but I also think that my hair is decent. At least one of the it's only better features. than Adam Azers, right? Exactly. One of the only yeah. features on my face that I'm proud of. Um, but <laughs> you know, like that one, that self-deprecation. <laughs> self-deprecation. I love it, dude. Oh yeah. What are you going to do? You got it. Go ahead. Oh, no, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I cut you off there. Didn't didn't want to step on you. Nothing important to say. Everything you say is important. Bob, thank you again. The jump from horrible to average. We are the Giants. We have four Super Bowl titles. Our standards should be higher. Yeah. We are not the Browns. The jump should be Super Bowl quarterback. He's just expressing. He's venting. Bob, vent away, man. Just keep venting (laughs) and and, and keep sending whatever. You don't got to send more money. You've sent plenty, but like keep sending your stuff in here and just vent away and we'll keep reading it, man. Yeah, man. Look, I get it. I is a big topic among Giants fans on Giants Twitter for years now, as far as what the ceiling should be, what you should want from your team. Um, I my brother always says it best. He feels like we made a deal with the devil to win those two Super Bowls. Though we did talk about it on the Monday night game, Nick. Um, <laughs> average fan said, Dan's depressed. Yep, just killed me. Yeah, it, it is a very depressing time, dude. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, like, I don't, I'm be honest with you guys. Like, I don't, there's reasons why I'm depressed here, Nick. And I'll get into what I was saying with my brother. I don't like covering this team during these seasons because it's impossible not to turn negative. And nobody likes negative. Nobody wants negative. I don't want to be negative. It's not fun. But I don't know where else to turn. So that's depressing. It's depressing to watch tape. Like the Seahawks tape was really bad to watch on the offensive side of the ball. The defense, thankfully, was fun tape to watch. This is going to be another bad tape to watch. It was bad tape against San Fran. It was bad tape in the judge error. Like it's not fun to watch that kind of tape and break it down. So it's depressing from that standpoint. And it's depressing because they just bought in on this regime and this core group. They spent the money on Jones. They spent the money on all their core guys. They, we thought we had something special with Brian Dable. We thought we had something special with Joe Shane and all of those things. I'm not just, it's not that I'm at the point of like, get rid of them, fire Shane, fire Dable, but it's definitely where I'm at the point. Like, I don't know for a fact, like moving forward, if these are the guys to get us back out of this mess that we're in. And that's why it's depressing right now for me. It's like the 2020. It's like we were, we've been stuck in a nightmare for the last half decade to almost a decade, really. If you exclude the 2016 season, which was a little bit fluky, if you want to say mm-hmm. that, because it was very much defensive led. And then 2022 was this beautiful dream. You know, we woke up, we were in a euphoric state. Everything was great. We exceeded all the expectations we needed. And now we're right back to the depths. We're right back into the abyss, some sort of hell that we found ourselves in. And nobody really anticipated that, especially after we brought all the guys back and we added all these pieces and you know, you get your heart broken 40 to nothing in week one. And then you're like, okay, we'll regroup. They regrouped in the second half against the Cardinals. And I'm like, all right, we're one and one. That's where we thought we could be. Okay, let's see where we go from here. We'll probably lose against San Francisco. Giants lost against San Francisco. Then they get embarrassed against Seattle. Now they're getting embarrassed again. If they're just losing these football games and the Giants are competitive, I can handle that. Yeah. But it's inept. 
They, they, they can't do the most fundamental, simple things on the offensive side of the football. And that, those are the reasons why I think Giant fans are freaking out. It's not just the losses. It's how, it's how they're pathetic. losing. Yep. It's how they're losing and how pathetic they look while losing. It's uh, whew, terrible. It is. And it's just, it's, it's, my brother said it best. Like, you know, we were sitting there in the stands in that Seattle game, knowing it was the only game we're going to get to go to this year. And it was not a fun game at all by any means. It was one of, that was one of the most frustrating games I've ever watched of Daniel Jones. I thought it was arguably the worst game of his career. And we're sitting there and we're like, wow. Like he had been to two games at that point. He went to the Cowboys game with his girlfriend, 40 to nothing in the rain. And then he went to a blowout loss at home against the Seahawks after a playoff win last season by the Giants. And he's like, you know, how could I not feel like we're we're effed again and this season's lost? And he's like, you know, is this worth it? Would you take would you rather be this or would you rather be the Cowboys who have been competitive every year, basically for the last however many years? And I said this because I will still take the 2011 Super Bowl run and the 2007 Super Bowl run, Nick, if it meant this stretch of 12, 15 years of horrible Giants teams, because that run, like the joy I got out of spending that 2007 with my with my family watching that. And my brother always references, but the hilarious jump hug we had around the room. So just like a natural just eh, jumping and dancing around a room after we won against the Patriots. Like, I think I got to make that a drop, motion. by the way. I, think I, gotta <laughs> make, I make that a drop. <laughs> like jumping and hugging each other. We're, eh, we're like losing our minds. We're not even like making sense. And that was 2007. And 2011 to me was like art like 2007 nothing will replace that but 2011 was arguably even in some ways more fun for me because i i said after that they dominated the falcons i was like uh oh this team looks good then when they went into lambo against a 15 and one packers team coming off a bye and basically in my mind dominated that game because yes it was a little close but it was because the giants got screwed on a fumble that got overturned that like gave the packers a 14 point swing basically they dominated the packers like i i said to my friend gary and shout out gary levine i said we are winning. The Giants are winning the Super Bowl. I was sure of it. I knew it at that point. I knew the 49ers were ahead and the Patriots. I was so confident in that team. I've never been at a point where I was so confident in Eli, the way he was playing and the, and the receivers, just everything about that team. And so I would still give it all. I still wouldn't give those up to have like Cowboys, what the Cowboys have had the last 10 years. Or, you know, you can think of other teams that have been competitive but haven't won Super Bowls. So it just feels almost like we made a deal with the devil, though. You know who Gary Levine is to this podcast? He's that? Bob. He's Bob Sacamano on Seinfeld. <laughs> you reference Gary all the time. Love Gary. I met Gary. Very yeah. nice guy. He you wants him all the, pod, the time. Never, we're not going to do. He really wanted on the pod for the <laughs> Jet game before the Jet game. If it mattered, I, I told him we might. I got have, this but... friend, Bob Sacamano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. I mean, look, I would take the. Uh, yeah. Oh, thank no. you, J.K. Do you think it's. You think it's even worth, JK says, you guys think it's even worth it to do whatever it takes to take a flyer on like Lel Collins or any other vets to try to salvage the season? Um, I kind of don't, man. I don't, yeah. No, because that's <laughs> you have to trade for Lyle Collins, and I don't think the Bengals, think unless he's a free unless agent. Isn't, he, isn't he a free agent or is he still under contract? No, with the no, he, I believe he's still on, under contract okay. with the Bengals right now. Okay. Uh, if if I'm not mistaken, and if he is, if they're willing to just like get rid of his contract, Giants probably can't absorb that anyways. But let's say right. there's a theoretical world where they could. I'm not giving up a pick for a guy. Let's say he was going to be here for just a little bit. He's had serious injury issues. Yeah. I believe he's in his 30s now. If I'm not mistaken, good football player, but I don't think that's the the route. I think the Giants. You could look for the Justin Pugh's of the world. 
You can maybe trade for somebody, but what are we looking at? If the Giants lose to the Buffalo Bills, you're, you're one and five. You have Washington on deck. If you beat them, you're two and five. And then I think you have the Jets after that. It's three and five. If that happens, not a terrible situation, but you need to beat Washington and the Jets. And I know the Jets of the Jets have Zach Wilson and Washington look like crap on Thursday night football. But can you realistically look at the Giants right now and say, yeah, we're beating those two teams? The beginning of the season, maybe you thought that well, other than the Aaron Rodgers thing. But like, I don't know, man, like. I think Washington looked really bad on Thursday night football. I don't know if they're that bad of a football team though, either because they've looked more competent against other teams uh, throughout the season. It was just, they got yeah. punched in the mouth by a Chicago bears team. I mean, the stat early brought up earlier said it best. The giants have the worst DVOA of any team in the NFL by a 30 point margin, which is insane. insane they're minus yeah. 52. The next team minus 35 or whatever, minus 25 or whatever. Like, that's insane. The Giants are the potentially the worst team in the NFL, even though they have a win. They still might be potentially the worst team in the NFL right now. From DVOA standpoint, they are. So I'm not personally Offensively, they are, I think. Oh, definitely offensively, they are. Yeah, there can't be a more offensive offense in the NFL right now. Nice. I love that, dude. I like that like, shit. Yeah, it's not even good. Play. It's not even good. It's not good. Don't, 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 that doesn't deserve to be appreciated, but... Wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let's see. Where are you? Where? Are, okay, now it's. I think. Okay. There yeah. He has golf clap. Oh, so depressing, Nick. It's just. I just can't believe we're back at this point. Like, I just, I just never thought this was happening this year. I thought we were past this point. I thought maybe they'd win like seven or eight and be like not as good as we thought and a worst case type of situation. But like, uh. I just think it was coming back here well go ahead okay the, the comments uh are correcting me with the worst offense the giants aren't the worst offense the patriots are the worst offense and they're 100 oh, yeah yeah i overlooked yeah, the patriots. patriots are terrible on offense so worse than oh god they're so disgusting to watch bro and bill bill bet bill b don't f around like he just benches mac jones when he doesn't like what he sees he's just like that's it. You're benched. And you come back next game, but you're benched in game for poor play. <laughs> it's like, that can't be good for Max confidence. Not that it matters. Mac Jones isn't going. Anywhere. But it's like, crazy. Like the Cardinals lost James Connor today. And they're still like, right. moving the I know they lost to the Bengals. Bengals. Joe Burrow. Dude, looked Dobbs is weirdly good. Like Dobbs has looked good on good. tape against us. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just dude, like, I love players. Like, like, dude, that's like the crazy thing. It would be more fun to cover a team like the Arizona Cardinals right now. who had no expectations right. who are, at least competing and they won a football game against the Dallas Cowboys, which says a lot about the Cowboys too, to your point before, but they would be more fun to cover that team. Cause it's like, we know we're kind of in tank mode right now. The quarterback that we might have in the future is on the roster, but he has a torn ACL. We don't even know if he's going to be the guy next year. If we're so bad that we're going to get the first overall pick, but to your point, bro, like that's not the giants, the giants yeah. right now, the, this is the year that the Giants should have had last year. They were, everyone yeah. thought the giants were right. going to suck last year. And we suck this year after having a good season. It's just the, the seasons flip flopped and it looks so much worse from this perspective. Yeah, that's a good way to go. That's a good way to talk about it. Um, we've already gone over an hour, an hour and 16 minutes. We haven't talked much about the game. Uh, do you want to get into some quick takeaways? I have some, some thoughts on players and, and then we can wrap up and get out of here. I'll quickly fire some things off. Yeah. Love the fact that Darren Waller had, I guess you could say, a mini breakout being the Giants' leading receiver. Eight catches for 86 yards. I believe it was on 11 targets. He looked fine to me, Darren Waller. I've, I've seen people suggest, oh, man, he's like lost a step. I think that's bullshit. I think Darren Waller is still a very athletic, very big, very long weapon. I think the reason why – actually, I know the reason why the Giants didn't use him against Seattle was because Daniel Bellinger got injured and they needed him to block. That's the reason why we didn't see Darren Waller out there all that often. So I love the fact that we saw Darren Waller have a game. 
Love the fact that we saw Bobby Okereke have a career game. We'll have to wait for the All-22 to see if some of those run fits were on him. Micah McFadden did not dress in this game. We saw Isaiah Simmons in that full-time role. Very excited to find out how he performed on the All-22. There were a lot of off-tackle runs. We knew that was going to happen. There were a lot of power gap, a lot of crack toss, a lot of shit like that. And Devon H. I don't even know if it was played well by the Giants. More than likely wasn't, knowing the New York Giants defense when it comes to that stuff. But Achan, all he needs is a sliver of space, and he's gone. So maybe yeah. the Giants were in position, but uh, it was um th- those were two takeaways mainly was just uh the speed of the defense. Giants tried going three safeties a lot with Dane Belton on the football field. Now you got to try to match speed with speed, but unfortunately the Giants they're nowhere near the speed that Miami Dolphins have no, on the offensive no. side of the football. Yeah, I mean your takeaways are pretty similar to mine. The main one I wanted to talk about was Bobby Okereke. I thought was really in good positions in the passing game a lot in this game. Um, That's something that is a good sign that he's starting to understand the defense a little bit more where he wants to be. And his speed is becoming more of an asset. Bobby Okereke. I'm excited about that because he is going to be here for a few more years and they just signed him and gave him a ton of guaranteed money. So that's exciting for me. I will say this, um, you know, I don't have too many thoughts yet until I see the tape. I did like that Kayvon Thibodeau got a sack. I feel like he's starting to come alive a little bit more. Oh yeah, I'll have to see the tape though, to confirm that kind of thing. I'll say this, Nick, you're down. So a few things that bother me just about this game. Tyra Taylor's in the game, right? You're back all the way at like your own 20 or 25 for that Taylor drive. You're still only down two touch uh, touchdown and two point conversion. You're down two scores. You're just chewing up clock. Like the Giants drove all the way down and they didn't end up scoring, but like they just chewed up clock on that drive. Like there was no urgency whatsoever, despite it being a two score game with about four minutes left on the clock to start that drive. So I don't know what the point of that is while at the same time trying to play Daniel Jones in every blowout loss in the history of your life, that doesn't add up to me. And then there was certainly some urgency once they turned the ball over on downs on that drive. And there was one Oh six left. And I don't know why the dolphins did it because they shouldn't have, but they called a pass play, which you should never do. And Deontay banks almost got injured bad. Who knows? After the game, he's like, I guess I'm okay. Like I didn't say I'm guess I'm okay. That's not the right quote. Duggan has it on Twitter somewhere, but it didn't sound great. He's like, I hope I'm okay. This dude's in when it's one Oh six left in the fourth quarter down 16. After you just turned the ball over on downs, the game is over. The game is over. I have no idea why starters on the field at that point. None. I just don't even understand it. I don't care what anyone has to say. I don't care about that. I just don't. <laughs> Dante Banks is on the field, taking a low hit to his legs. He's limping after the play. He says, I hope I'm okay. He's on the field with 106 down 15 in the fourth quarter, and they don't have the football because he's a defensive player. So I have no idea how mathematically Brian Dable expected to win that game, and if he didn't expect to have any chance to win that game, I have no idea why his starters are on the field. I just don't get it. I never will. This is something that's been the case with Brian Dable his whole coaching career. And yet, no urgency when Taylor's on his trying to make drive down the field. They're running down the clock, the two-minute warning. They're just fucking taking so much time off, but... All of a sudden, we got to have Brian, uh, Banks back on the field. Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you, what were your opinions on some of the kind of conservative punts and field goal attempts against a team like the Miami? Because you used to bash Joe yeah. Judge, rightfully yeah. so, for those, and kind of had a little bit of a air of Joe Judge with some of the decisions that uh, Brian Dable made. And you can argue his offensive line was so bad, maybe that's why he was doing it. But you're not beating this Miami Dolphins team, more than likely, by kicking field goals and punting at like your 42. Or at yeah. their 42, whatever that was. That was the one. The fourth and two one was the, probably the one that I felt very felt very Joe Judgey in and very, you know, I just want to put points on the board, make this look lo- we're not as bad as it is type of thing, like make us look more competitive. 
which I felt like Joe Judge did at times, or maybe that was just his mindset. Like, I need to get points here, rely on the defense, blah, 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 blah. But I don't know, Nick, but I agree with you. There were some spots, especially that fourth and two. That was the one that really stood out to me. It was a fourth and six when the Giants were down 24 to 10, where they punted at Miami's 44. There was a fourth and three at the Giants 45. This was when it was only seven. Nothing. Maybe it was so that one. Oh, no, no, it was that one. Yeah. Maybe you know, there was a fourth and three. That was at the Giants 32, but that was also when you were down 31 to 13. Sorry about these stupid. I hate how ESPN, like you use their stupid server and they always play their ads. I don't know if you guys could hear it on your end, but it's just so annoying. I don't want to like hear that. Like start that on mute. Okay. Anyways, but yeah, there were just a couple like really like conservative play calls when the Giants were down big, but like theoretically they were still in it. And is it just like, are you kind of punting on the game at this point? Because you acknowledge, yo, we're, we're just done. Is that like kind of what's going on or? Or what are you thinking there? I, I don't know. It's just something that kind of came across my mind. I thought of you. Yeah, man. The, yeah, it was definitely, there were definitely moments. The fourth and two one was the one that, uh, that I was thinking of, but yeah, I mean, and who knows how much of this is just the, the lack of faith in the offensive line. You, I really don't know. Line pack productions. Thank you again. Hypothetically, if Andrew Thomas and John Michael Schmitz return healthy, offense is able to compete. Do you think we can repeat 2020 season scenario and win seven of their last nine games? You have a lot of games, though, against the Philadelphia Eagles. You got to play the Dallas Cowboys. That didn't go over too well. Washington, that's not a game necessarily that I, I think that it's a shoe-in for the Giants, especially not at this point. Green Bay is a team that I don't know if the Giants can or will beat. I think they can. I think, the Gi- I think in football, you can beat anybody, but... Giants are not in the position right now, but with those guys healthy, it's going to make them more formidable. Seven of their last nine is is a bit is a bit strong line pack protection. What do you say though? Well, they'd have to win seven of their last nine, but they also have to win nine of their last. They they have to win. So what are they? One and four right now. We're assuming yeah. a loss to the Bills, which I think is fair at this point, right? The Giants were twelve and a half point underdogs to the Dolphins. They didn't even cover the game. They lost, blown out by twenty four to the Seahawks, blown out by the 49ers, blown out by the Cowboys. We're not going to be, they're not going to beat the bills. So then they're one in five. So really at one in five, I went over this earlier, so I don't need to go too much more in depth in this. They need to go nine and two over their last 11 to get to 10 and seven, which will get them in the playoffs. Maybe worst case, they can go eight and three and get in with a nine win season. To answer your question, Lion, I don't think it's very likely because I'm my opinion and Nick's too. It's not just the offensive line. And even if the offensive line comes back, they're not even that good of an offensive line. But it's not just that. It's a broken offense from a schematic standpoint. They can't get anything done. They're trying to rely on their old ways. It's a quarterback who's regressing. It's wide receivers who still aren't, you know, any alpha guys there. It's an injury to Saquon Barkley. And I guess you're saying you get him back. And it's a defense that isn't that great anyway to begin with. So it's not just the offense. That's just we're just talking about the offense. This is a team that's dead last in DVOA by double the margin of the next team. Like that's probably not a team that just needs Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley back to start winning football games. Everyone was healthy in week one when the giants got blown out by the Cowboys. Now you could say Thomas got injured early. That's fine. But outside of Thomas's injury, everyone else played and the giants got blown out 40 to nothing at home. This is just a bad team. We thought that might be an aberration that Cowboys game in week one. It's not, this is a bad football team. They are headed in the wrong direction this year, at least. And it's probably best long-term health-wise that they don't try to even win nine of the last 11 and try to trade and be sellers to the deadline. I know that is a controversial take. I'm not even going down that path right now, but I'm just letting you know to answer your question. No, I don't think it's very high likelihood. 
Kit also asks, if AT and JMS do come back and Pew is slotted at left <laughs> guard and Bredesen at right guard, that we could score an offensive touchdown. Yeah, I think they might be able to, but it's yeah, still that, up for debate. I mean, geez, it's nuts, dude, because even that offensive touchdown against the 49ers, it was like, oh, short they field. scored. It was like, oh, okay, Matt Breda, short field. They ended right. up punching it. And it was like zone. they caught him off guard. Like, they weren't even set up, it felt like, the 49ers. Breda, they ran that play before they were set up, the 49ers. And, yeah, that's the only offensive touchdown they have outside of the second half of the Arizona game. It's it's a joke. That's insane when you think yeah, about it. Yeah, we're five it. weeks into the game, five games into the season. That's insane. That's insane. That's the only one. A Matt Breida rushing touchdown. If you remove, and then I, people, oh, you can't remove it. It's like, yes, you can't. Can. In this I context, can't we're, I can't believe we're at the point where this offense is as bad as the McAdoo, end of McAdoo. This offense is as bad as the end of Shermer. This offense is as bad as the end of Judge. Like, how did we get back to this point? It's insane to me. Something has to give. Everything, dude, I, I've said it so many times, beating the dead horse. Yeah. Murphy's law, man. Murphy's law. Everything that can and will happen negatively will end up happening negatively. And that's exactly what's happening. Everything's going wrong for the Giants. Everything. Not, like, what, name one thing that has gone right for the Giants right now. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know either, what I can say has gone right. Uh, and then you and then you compound that by the expectations. Isaiah Simmons is better than like I don't know what what has what has gone right. Banks, Deontay Banks, and now he got injured. One oh six left in in the fourth quarter, down fifteen for some god awful reason. Brian Banks Eagle looks out there. Banks looks he looks good. He does. He looks. Hopefully I think he's, he's healthy now. Hopefully he's not injured exactly. in this stupid game. Duggan said in his tweet that it didn't seem like he was overly concerned. And you know how Banks is. He has that per like his personality. He's very yeah. like you know just kind of lighthearted and just like I hope I'm okay. You know just like optimistic. Just like I hope my, I hope he is too. But you want to know one thing that kind of crushed my heart? Watching Eli Apple fly around the field making tackles for the Miami Dolphins, and not because I want him as a New York Giant, just to see him though still doing that. And he like laid a hit. He licked Daniel Jones on the sidelines. And I was like, oh, God, man, Giant fans got to be like Arthur meme, just full on Arthur <laughs> meme at this point. Yeah. Well, look, Nick, one did there. This is uh, this is this is the press that I've ever been covering this team. Um, Look, wait, till, wait we, till next week. I know. Um, Look, we uh. You know, we're going to do film breakdowns this week. We'll try to find what we can find, find takeaways, players that can hopefully help the team in the future, maybe ways they can improve the offense. But it's bleak right now. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've, I'm I, as speechless as I've ever been on this podcast, Nick, in my entire time covering the team. Because even, you know, 2021, I wasn't speechless, right? I was very loud and clear that Gettleman needs to go, that Cho Judge needs to go from an early time in that season. I knew. I knew all I needed to know in 2021 and that was four weeks in i don't have much to say about the these guys because it's not as clear cut and maybe hey, the we're, we're gonna lift your we're gonna lift your spirits sorry for cutting you off <laughs> thank you buddy thank you bill i appreciate the shout out my man um yeah so look stick it with us Still going to have fun breakdowns. There's still going to be X's and O's stuff where each time you can learn about the NFL game and why things happen, even though those things are not good for the Giants, you'll get to learn why they're happening. Um, we're going to have a preview podcast this week, one we were really looking forward to two weeks ago. It's with the guys at Cover One. They're awesome X's and O's guys. I got to be honest with you, Nick. It's not a good sell, but it's not going to be as fun breaking down the Giants' Bills preview right now. So, yeah. Um, 
look, the one thing that you're going to get, though, is we're going to keep this going. We're never going to stop. And we are the draft guys, I think, for Giants Twitter and for Giants analysis. Um, other people do a good job as well. But I think we do a great job with that, the best job with that, to be honest. So once that comes around, which I guess is coming sooner than we expected, will be heavy force of the draft. Like someone's telling me today, Nick, like asking me questions about draft prospects. I'm like, I'm not gonna be able to tell you anything until February um, when I start to watch the tape. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe make that January. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know what? Maybe make that December. Uh, I don't even know at this point when we're gonna have to start thinking about the draft. But <sighs> yeah, man. Any any final words from you? We've got an hour and a half here. Yeah, no, we uh we commiserated. We lived up to what we expressed on Twitter. Come commiserate with us. Have a good time. We'll talk about how the Giants suck. And we will be back tomorrow, more than likely, to break down the depressing film that is the 2023 New York Giants. But we'll break it down well for you. So please join us. 